are live once again. Everybody knows every Tuesday at 8, the MCW cast and Double Digits, episode 11. I'm Legacy MCW announcer, Larry Legend. I'm MCW promoter, Dan McDevitt. And I'm Tara. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you once again. We always like to start by just thanking all of the support. Keep it coming, guys. We want to see that Ask MCW cast, that hashtag to use. We want to feel you interacting with us. And, and thank you especially to our Coffee Club members. That's right. Uh, Mo and Lisa bought us coffee last week again. Thank you so much. You're also a member of the Coffee Club, and we thank you for your support. And you, too, can join uh, by going to buymeacoffee.com backslash MCWcast. And uh, you will get, uh, as one of your perks if you become a member, you will get firsthand access to ask all of our guests in studio each week uh, any question that you desire. So, uh, well, within reason anyway. Uh, they will be Questions will be pre-screened. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so if you want to have an insider uh, route to asking our guests questions, you want to join that MCW cast uh, coffee club. And that's a heck of a perk. Imagine if we, were, yeah. we gave our, our listeners, our viewers – opportunities to get in and ask Leo Rush, our, our first guest. Exactly. I mean, he was one of our most high-profile guests. If you had something you wanted to ask John Minidakis, Kimberly Clasic, the plethora of guests we had, mm-hmm. the way that you can get a head, head start on even before the episode airs, becoming a Coffee Club subscriber. And if you're watching, too, don't forget, share this on Facebook, Facebook share mm-hmm. the feed. Yeah. And uh, if you're watching or if you're consuming your podcast content, um Via audio, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and uh, all other podcast platforms. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, Terry, did you have anything you were about to contribute? I'm sorry. I just always am jumping the gun here. No, no, I was fine. (laughs) I was just looking over the things we were talking about. You know, we we had uh, a... Guests in here last week, we had Beck, uh, referee Becky Phillips and Nick Camarado from AEW. So it was great having them in here to talk about them. Yeah, great insight for me. Once again, I, I kind of get to take a trip down the legacy that a lot of your your wrestlers and personalities have been able to carve ever since, you know, I kind of went off into other pastures. So, again, with ref... Becky and Nick, they kind of came around, and I was kind of here in and out, so it was so great to hear their origin stories, and, um, you know, just giving those shout-outs to Keener and, you know, all the different things that Nick tried before he, you know, hit the nail. It was a great, great chat with them. Mm-hmm. Don't, uh, don't, uh, don't forget about one of our original referees. We were just talking about him before the show started. D. D. Edwards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How can we forget D. Edwards? And, uh, yeah, but another legacy MCW alumni and has gone on for great things i'll tell you one of the best things in the world i don't know how many people have been able to experience this but if you ever are in the the backstage area of the royal farms arena there is a picture up there of seamus giving someone the white noise or the whatever his Mm -hmm. move is and Derek is the referee so right back there you know how arenas will put like you know just different m- moments, different uh-huh. moments of, uh-huh. you know, when Prince played, when Michael Jackson was there. There's a WWE moment in the, the backstage area of Baltimore's own D. Edwards or, no you kidding. know, yeah, right there uh, refereeing in, in the Baltimore arena. And it was really something to be held, you know, uh, just being back there and being like, I know that guy. You know, <laughs> That's like, funny. you know, and he's not the feature of that. It's just right, it's right. Seamus and whoever doing whatever. But damned if Derek ain't right there. 
you know, just hyping it up, you know, with that signature. Oh, my gosh. You know, you know I'll never forget when he was here, him doing the worm in the ring. That oh, my gosh. Was, yeah. yeah. That was over. I, I feel like that night he embraced that. He was like, yes, I was born to do this. That's like one of my favorite memories of him. Yeah. Speaking of, of shows, and did you have any shows this weekend? Uh, this weekend, no, I didn't have anything, actually. Uh, there were a few things that went on, but I, I was uh, I was homebound. So Yeah, nothing. we saw uh, Delaware. I uh, yeah. had a had a couple indie shows this weekend, so they're Delaware, the state of Delaware is yeah. officially DCW opened up. DCW had their first show. That's right, in you were year. there, Tara, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, what what kind of what did they do protocol wise? Uh, actually, it fans? was very similar to what we do for training. Um, it was exactly the same. Um, everybody had masks on, temperature checks, sign in at the door. The fans had um, to do temperature checks. Yes, when they the, came in? all the workers had to have temperature checks and a negative COVID test um, within whatever three days, three or five days, or something like that. In between each match, they wiped down the ring just like we do. Um, they sprayed it with Lysol, same as we do. So the protocols were um, were very much similar to exactly what we've been modeling since we reopened with training in June right. for training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so that that, was, that was the first. They were the first wrestling the first shows in, in the state yeah. of Delaware. That was yeah, the first so. year they had a sold out crowd. I'm told, and um, yeah. So that was, that but was sold good. out with limited capacity, right? Right. In, in yeah, other words, so it wasn't. Yeah, so the way they the, did the seating, and I was thinking about this, the way they did the seating was they grouped it by kind of like the way WrestleMania is doing pods mm-hmm. um, for tickets. And so you bought your seats and then you were clumped together. So the seats were not six feet apart, but each each group or clump of seats purchased together was six feet from, well, about three feet from the person next to them. So they kept it kind of that way. Right. So the idea yeah. being, if you have one sick person in your cluster, then that sick person, that sick individual, will only get you know the folks se- seated in that cluster that are with you. Yeah, yeah, and everybody had yeah. to wear a mask at all times, except if okay. you were eating and drinking, and you could only do that sitting in the seats. So much like the same protocol we have in the state of Maryland for dining and restaurants, you yeah. can only take your masks off while you're at the table consuming. So you know you didn't see people milling about. You know, I mean, it, it was, it felt pretty good. I mean that. Well, we're inching there, yeah. right? Yeah, Little we're getting there. Gonna, yeah. yeah, I was taking notes the whole time I was watching, just, you know, thinking of how things that problems we might encounter when we reopen to fans and looking at things like that. But, yeah, definitely their protocols were very much in line with what we've been doing here since June. So that's good. And I hope more companies will adopt similar protocols. Like, even just that step of, you know, sanitizing the ring in between matches is really common sense. Yeah. I mean, think we should do that anyway. It shouldn't be because we have a pandemic. Like, we should spray the ring in between matches and wipe them down. Just Well, I mean, that's how I first noticed uh, a Cheeseburger or world-famous CB uh, was he was – when he was training, he was the, ro- the rope wiper at, at oh. ROH. And, you know, when they used to do it there, when you'd go down the ropes, you'd hear the fans go – Oh, oh. <laughs> and it became almost kind of a a, a shtick. You know? All right. Well, well, we, we've done that for years, even before the pandemic. We were always pretty cautious with yeah. uh, sanitizing. Yeah, but well, was it like Samoa Joe got a staph infection from a dirty canvas? That's yeah. correct. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wiping down the uh, the ropes. Also, they're yeah. oily. You right. Know, if it's time right. And if they're just that, like you know? sweat or if there's any kind of blood, you don't know where the splatter's been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we have it now where I've actually duct taped a box of wipes to every ring post. So, you, you know, I, for training, because, you know, I don't want it to be out of sight, out of mind. I want to make sure these things, you know, like I said, these are just basic hygiene things that people should do anyway. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, this so. is where we are now. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if before long it starts to become a standard that you've got to actually show your vaccination card uh, before even being admitted into the building, you know? 
Like, I, it kind of is an annoying thing to me. Uh, right now, a lot of folks in America are getting vaccinated, but this kind of posturing online, like showing my vaccination card, which uh, the news says you're not supposed to do because there's some sensitive information on there. Right, anyway. so you see people putting their thumbs over top of the the identification. Right, yeah. right. You see that, but is it really all that necessary? Well, um, you know, something that's that private, you know, someone like me, you know, a member of the LGBTQ community, there was types of things that were prevalent or they thought were mostly prevalent in my community. You didn't see everyone, you know, flashing up, hey, got my test to more or less shame or guilt people who aren't eligible or who can't get it to shame, right. you know? Well, um, well so. but also it could be to, you know, it could be a sense of pride. It could be also to encourage, you know. Or to get the see, likes, if you to see, get the love well, and the care, you know, because yeah. I bet you that if that wasn't a part of it, then would you really be so, hey, look at me, guys. Look at me and like what I'm doing. So, it, you know, it's. Yeah. Just dissenting, and I feel like then a lot of times we're very agreeable here, but I, I just want to mention that it, before long, I wouldn't be surprised if someone posted the other day that was like, so do I need to carry my vaccination card around with me? Like, if I'm driving from state to state, so if I get stopped, like, the state trooper doesn't go, you aren't showing records that you've been vaccinated to jail with you, you know, or... To the, the well, quarantine we set up for only people like you, you know? Right. You know, other countries are starting to implement what they call vaccine passports. So I don't know if that'll be something that, you know, might be required at some point for travel or, you know, I don't I don't see that ever happening in this country. People are very firmly of one opinion or the other when it comes to this kind of thing. But I could see it being an issue for people from this country traveling to other countries where they are doing this. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm fully vaccinated now and I've got my card in my wallet. I don't really know where else to put it. So. Yeah. I just keep it in my wallet with my insurance card, and well, you know that's, that's that. That's the point I'm trying to make. You might we might need to have like a way to carry <laughs> it around so that you're not just posting pictures on Facebook for right. likes, but you actually right. are showing, hey, I got the I uh, Moderna or the Pfizer. Or I the- didn't post my picture on Facebook with my card. I posted me outside the vaccination site. It's that's your it. prerogative, yeah. <laughs> and you know I'm I'm okay with it. But you know I just kind of I'm like you know what is this. You know, especially because I know some of these people that are doing this. And I know that, you know what? <laughs> you know why they're doing it. Exactly, okay. you know, so. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Interesting conversation. Well, a good show lined up this week. Yes. We had our yep. our first uh, couples episode last week. That's so, right. Um, it probably made sense to follow up with another couples episode. <laughs> hey, why yeah. not? You know, one good turn deserves another is the old saying. And with that said, we're going to have... Two of ROH's brightest stars that you can see weekly on ROH TV. The last ROH top prospect winner ever, Big Dak Draper, and the lovely Quinn McKay. They're going to be here with us just in a minute on the MCW cast. And we are back live, episode 11. Our guests have joined us, Quinn McKay. Dak Draper, welcome to the MCW cast. Hi, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're thrilled to have you. Our couple's weeks continue uh, coming off of Nick Colorado and Ref Becky. And yeah. uh, we're glad to have both of you in the studio with us. We've never been on a podcast together before. No, oh, never. Really? We might uh-uh. get in an argument during this. So. <laughs> That's warned. okay. We like to keep it real. It's fine. We were told we need to have a little more uh, controversy anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Sparks. <laughs> it's fine. Controversy puts butts in seats. Well, ear pods in air. Uh, you need yeah. There you go. Yeah, there They'll go. be watching. <laughs> So you guys, so that's what the big concern was, too, when Tara said something about having you guys on. But you guys are open about your relationship, like on social media and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah. we didn't know whether it was like, do we ask, are they allowed to 
talk about being a couple on air? There's lots of secret re- relationships you in know, wrestling. It's right. never really been <laughs> We used to be. Yes. We used to be, yeah. It's never really been discussed because obviously we're not used on camera as a couple, but it's not like we try to like skirt around it or hide it either. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that there's been like a direct order. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's like an official like Ring of Honor thing, we're not going to hit you over the head with, hey, we're right. dating. We're not going to be holding hands on TV or anything. Now, but... were you a couple before Ring of Honor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. I think that's why it's not that big of a deal right. because like we came in already as – as an item. First moment she saw me, she couldn't resist. The king of Kansas City. Oh my gosh. I don't, I, I'm assuming that we'll get into that. But Yeah, is that, that well, right let's now. get into it. How'd you guys meet? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there was a company in Kansas City uh, called the NWL, and it got yeah. started in 2017. The first show was like January 5th, 2017. Yeah. And this guy, he was like a multimillionaire, and he wanted to start, it's almost like UWF with a, uh, uh, with uh, that was the one with Herb Abrams, right? Yeah, he Both was signing WWF. people to contracts. Yeah, he was yeah. signing people. I remember to hearing about people that were paid guy. Salaries. That's what I. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing about that. Guy. I had health insurance. Had health it was crazy. Insurance. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. His apartment was paid yeah. for. He what? The salary on top of it. It Jeez. was a sweet gig, but it was a small, indi- like a, not even an independent. It was a small Fed in the middle of Missouri. So like, like I'd liken it to uh, if uh, like an old WWE developmental like FCW or OVW. If they ran without the backing of uh, of WWE, where it right. was like okay. we ran every weekend, we had two shows every weekend, and we'd be in wow. like we'd film, uh, we'd typically be in like a, so we'd have an off week where it was like not for TV, it was just live event, and we'd be in a satellite town outside of Kansas City, like, like Joplin or St. Joe, mm-hmm. or like those like you know those like hundred thousand people to like two hundred fifty thousand people towns, like yeah, we'd right. be there, and Including then Springfield, where I'm from, mm-hmm. and then every other week we'd have one TV taping in Kansas City, and then the other day would be, like, another satellite town. So you're wrestling twice a week, and you're, like, you're doing, like, the whole setup thing. Like, all the wrestlers are setting up the ring. and uh, But if you were one of the uh, – we had five full-time guys. If you were one of the five full-time guys, mm-hmm. they took really good care of you. Wow. Then, now, was it only broadcast locally? No. Um, so, well, yes. But <laughs> right, So it was broadcast in Missouri and Kansas and I think parts of Illinois right before we went under – we had just struck a television deal with the Gulf states. Oh. Yeah, so like okay. down like Mississippi yeah, and uh, right. Alabama and like Florida. There. It was like, and it was getting good numbers and stuff. Yeah. It, was, it was really popular in the uh, area, in like that Missouri area. Like I was, I got recognized all the, I was also the guy there. How could he you not recognize me? Commercial. Yeah. Wow. Oh man, there's a, there's a, uh, Sorry, I leaned a little close to the mic there. People probably still think Dak Draper lives there. Yeah, there was so there was this car lot, this used car lot, Auto Start, and they loved having me on their commercials. So there was one where I body slammed bad credit, and uh, there was one where I, I I held bad credit, and the owner of the car lot, who was like a really good athlete, he uh, he drop kicked bad credit, and uh, I beat up a bad finance manager once, and uh, wow. it was and it was always yep. shame on you if you go anywhere else. Yep. Wow! And so I'd see people all the time, like just around Kansas City, and they'd be like, "Hey, shame on you if you go anywhere else." And it was funny. So I, did, was it- I did a car commercial here years ago, and um, I did not get that kind of recognition. <laughs> well, you probably should have concentrated <laughs> filmed, a little harder and doing a better day, job. We filmed it at Bone 
Bonebreakers. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that for that dealership out in Dundalk? Yeah, we filmed it at Bonebreakers. Oh, it was the first easy, time I'd ever easy been rider in there. Or something I don't know like what that. it was, but I, it was like I think I do remember that. We need you to yeah. stand yeah. there at the ring. And JD by Rider. JD something. by Rider. That's it. That's it. Yeah. 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 And we did Jerry's Toyota too. I, not was it Jerry? Uh, no, whatever one is right there on Merritt Boulevard. But anyway, yes, I you do get like r- local recognition and stuff. Like people love car commercials. So that was that yeah. just like was that a money guy that was a wrestling fan? So yeah. Yeah, he was a money guy who was a wrestling fan, and uh, it's he was an old school wrestling fan. So it was like he was like in, like I, I don't want to say old school like territories, but he was like an eighties WWF fan. He was like recreating USWA or something like that. Like yeah, mind, yeah. It was kind of yeah. like that where because I was wrestling before in Colorado as Sammy Six Guns, and uh, he wanted everybody to change their names, and that's how I became Dak Draper. Is uh. He wanted everybody to change their names, and so everybody was going to have, like, a new character, a fresh character. So I was the guy from Colorado. We had some Texas guys. We had some Illinois guys. They tried to pull people. The goal was to pull people from around the U.S. They ended up pulling people from, like, the far reaches of the Midwest, kind of. They pulled people that weren't typically in, like, that area in, and it was really popular. And uh, the big thing for me was it gave me a way to uh, focus full-time on wrestling when I wasn't popular enough to focus full-time on wrestling. I was working 50 to 60 hours a week at a big box gym in management. And so there would be times where I would go, like, uh, for example, I did a lot of Future Stars of Wrestling shows in Las Vegas. And there would be times where I would, like, I'd come in super early on a Saturday morning to the gym, sell sell a couple gym memberships, and then haul ass in my car to Denver to fly to uh, Vegas, wrestle in Vegas that night, and then either take a red eye back to Denver or uh, fly back first thing in the morning, and then I would close the gym on Sunday. And it was like, that was just like my life. I was so exhausted. And like, I was either cooking, working out, working at the gym, or wrestling, and like, and like getting as trying to squeeze sleep in when I could. And so it was really cool for me to be able to have that backing where it was like, I just got to focus on like wrestling and training. And so like, I'm incredibly thankful for it. But, uh, and I'm, also incredibly thankful that I got to meet my girlfriend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't want to forget that. Quinn, did you, work, did you work for that company too? I forgot that I was on this podcast for a second. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, a lot of people did. Show. No, 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 Quinn, you're yes, unforgettable. I did. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Um, yeah, I did work for that company. So I was an on-screen person. I had just started as an on-screen personality um, in the foundation, not the, the foundation blue-haired girl. Ring of Honor, but the foundation that was a stable at NWL that was actually um, Michael Strider, Jeremy Wyatt, and Ace Steel. And so I was like a bad guy, like secretary character sort of to Matt Jackson at the time and was in the foundation. Was not Young Bucks havoc. Matt Jackson, a different Matt Jackson. But I wasn't <laughs> wrestling yet because I also like the reason I ended up at NWL was because I wanted to train there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had started training at a really small school in Arkansas. And I trained there for probably like three or four months before I ring announced their my first show for them, where I met Ace Steel, and Ace was like, "Listen, I think you've got a lot of potential. We need to get you out of Arkansas and into Kansas City." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And then I went and saw my very first show uh, <laughs> in Kansas City, and where he had a match. And I think that was the the gimmick where. You had like just broken Blaine Meeks's leg or something, something like. Yeah, that. it was a guy who has really actually wrestled at uh, MCW yeah. before, Bolt Brady. Um, yeah, we know Bolt, Bolt Brady. Yeah, so yeah, Bolt's the how I, Bolt was the one that when when I found out about that promotion, he called because I was gonna he was gonna come up move up here, 
and I had really liked him and start using on some shows. And then he called me. He was like, oh, Dan, I got signed to a contract with someone. And I was like, what? That's how. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, oh, it's a big. You know what I mean? That, that's how I had actually heard yeah. about this company starting up and was like, I yeah. never heard of this. Where did it come from? He's like, oh, yeah, I get health insurance and all that stuff. Well, it's so, so yeah. it's cool so fun. It's so <laughs> funny because like they ran. I think they probably ran. They were around for 16 months. So almost a year and a half. Okay. And they ran probably about 80 shows. They We ran wow. a lot of shows. That many, really? Yeah. yeah, it was. And by the time we shut down, like, we were packing houses. We were selling 2018, out every, every, every show single. sold so out. So why did they shut down? We don't know. Too well, much front-end money put out, probably? Probably. I think okay. Something like. Can we oh, say so, this? I don't know. Something like uh, 80%. Yeah, oh, yeah, you can totally. About so how it ended. He literally yeah. just walked into the office on a Wednesday morning and went, okay, we're closing down. Everybody gets one more paycheck. And that was it. Wow. And like we had a no we had a explanation, so, nothing. We had a sold out show that Friday. We were about to open an arena. And wow. really? there's still an arena in Kansas. I don't know if it's That's, still there now, but like the last time we were there two years it ago. It was still branded NWL, like the cars were still wrapped yeah, out. It look, it's like almost like a like wow. like uh like an abandoned and like a collapse like a societal collapse happened where it's like it looks like this big wrestling show was about to happen. They sold the ring, but everything else. The last time I looked, it's been like two years since bleachers I've been to KC. Just, like we bleachers, the bleachers were still in a together. square around where the ring was. The no banners way. were still hanging up on the wall, and everything's just dusty in it's there. Like it a was, time capsule. It's really, it's kind of oh, eerie. Wow. It was, it was probably just way too much front end money. Yeah. Rumor is, rumor is that they spent like seventy five percent of the money they spent the entire time before the first show ever happened. I, I believe yeah. it. Yeah, that makes sense. I believe it. That's how I it goes. It. You know, a lot of the times, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the Herb Abrams UWF. It kind of reminds me of the Urban Wrestling Federation, too, where there was a promoter that had just a lot of money and was sinking it into this project, bringing people, booking all of this talent from Maryland, Chicago, Atlanta, California, California, bringing them in. And then by the time we got to the first show, you could project how much he had already invested in it, what it was going to take to do two and three more. And actually, that's all we got out of UWF was two or three more shows. We had just ended up back. like We were starting to be back in the black. And it was just so interesting that once we were finally seeing returns on all of these investments, that he just shut the whole thing down. No Mm -hmm. warning. No warning at all. But uh, the thing is, regardless, I'm so thankful because, like, I went into it. Like, I didn't go into it as a way, like, I didn't go into it thinking, like, I'm going to become a huge star from this or anything like that. I went into it thinking I can really get better at wrestling doing yeah. this. And, and everybody in the company did. Like, they came leaps and bounds. Oh, man. Yeah, viewing it as, like, viewing it as, instead of a destination, viewing it as a trampoline, I think, was, like, the best way to go with that. And the guys who did it, you can see, like, there's uh, the Regal twins who are on uh, New Japan, New Japan mm-hmm. America Brody now. Brody King, our good friend Brody. Brody wasn't part of NWL. No, I, but they're in New Japan now. Oh. With Brody, <laughs> with Brody yeah. With Brody. Like, Sorry, I misunderstood you. Together on the internet. <laughs> it's like, when did I miss Brody there? Yeah, in 25 years doing this, that's the one thing I, you see. So many people like, I'm going to get into, re- I'm going to start a wrestling company, and I'm all, I'm, I people have no freaking idea. Even just to run an independent promotion like us, like MCW, that has, a, you have just no idea the cost. That's when. Mm-hmm. When uh, Ring of Honor, a lot of people would ask me over the years, like, how come you didn't never did what like Ring of Honor did, you know, <laughs> the way so they were bought. And that's <laughs> I'm like, because it took a company like Sinclair that has billions of dollars to be able to have that upfront cost that I'm sure it took them years. You know what I mean? Before yep. they could, before they, you know, you, you start turning a profit. It's it's yeah. like you have no idea the amount of money that it costs, television production and getting on. And um, it took a company 
with that much wealth to be able to actually do it and get it off the ground, you know, or, you know, AEW, someone like Tony Khan, that's a billionaire. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just it, it takes that kind of money. It's not something it's not something just anybody can do. You mean you're not a billionaire, Dan? You've been, you haven't been holding out on us? Uh, no. Man. Well, yeah, that's why I'm not. That's why we, MCW doesn't have a national television show. That's right. why you got to buy us. He's, he's got billions buried behind the building. Yeah, yeah, that's why yeah. we, we yeah. ask yes. you to buy us coffee every week. Well, so. That leads me to one of my first questions, and it's going to be for you, Quinn. You mentioned that uh, you first started in that small you know, school in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh did you initially want to be a wrestler? Yeah. No. Okay. No, that was always the thing. That was always a thing. I didn't go in being like, I want to be a backstage interviewer or I want to be a host or an announcer. Like, no, I, I took went in and it was actually a really hard process because women's especially this was four years ago, five years ago. So wow, five years. There wasn't an independent scene in central Missouri at all. You had to go to St. Louis or Kansas City, I didn't even know that independent wrestling existed until I was in college. Like, I was a WWE fan, and I knew that there were other companies. Like, I knew about ROH and, and uh, Impact, but I didn't know – well, TNA at the time, I guess. I'm not so sure. Anyway, neither here nor there. But I didn't know that independent wrestling, this was something that you could, like, learn how to do mm-hmm. and then just do for fun or to hone your craft – so I found out about that, and I was like, oh, man, now we are off to the races. Because when I was in high school, I tried to go to Harley Race's school because I knew Harley Race. He, so I went to school in Eldon, Missouri, which is where Harley's school was at the time before it was relocated to Troy, Missouri, and obviously RIP. Um, yeah, the legend. Right? Yeah. But he doesn't train high school students, and my mom was like, I'm not giving you $2,000 to go train to be a wrestler after school. How mean. <laughs> How mean of her. Right? How rude. <laughs> she was like, you can put yourself through – wrestling school whenever you graduate from college and I was like okay cool but I don't think that was fair because it's not like she paid for my college either <laughs> yeah that isn't yeah. right it would so, be one thing if she's like yeah I'll fit you can yeah. get through that and no no no, no. We, so now were you a lifelong wrestling fan or was this something you came into later in high school so it was something uh, I remember watching wrestling with my brother whenever I was really young but he was 15 years older than me so when I was three he shipped out to the Navy and got married and started his own family which my mom was so mad about um, but wrestling kind of ceased to be in my life until I was relocated second semester my freshman year from a very small high school to another very small high school across the state and I didn't know anybody and the first girl that I met that I like really vibed with her name's Mia she's my best friend to this day the thing that she did every Monday night with her brother was watch Monday Night Raw. So when I had, like, no friends and nothing else to do and nowhere to go and just trying to find a place to fit in, like, that was wrestling for me. So it became, like, a really huge part of my identity in my early teens, I guess. And then she was like, well, whenever you graduated from college, you can put yourself through wrestling school. And so that's what I did. That's what I did. But because... There are no wrestling schools in Springfield. There's no independent promotion in Springfield to this day, I don't think. Actually, I think the person that runs that school, Jason Jones, might now run in Springfield because I started bringing in so many kids as students. Um, and a lot of the students that he still has now are people that like I brought in to start training there, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I did, and that's how I ended up here. Wow. I mean, I bring it up because you mentioned that, uh, you know, for that Arkansas place that you yeah. started training for. that Who did not want to train a woman. Who? I didn't even know they had wrestling in Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's small promotions. There's like Fayetteville and Little Rock and stuff like that, which is like a little bit better. Northwest Arkansas is better for independent promotions and stuff. But this is um, 
Harrison, Arkansas, which is just over the Missouri-Arkansas border. Um, a very backwoodsy area, I would say. I trained in a room that had no air conditioning or heating, just a big oh, garage, basically. We're familiar with, with those. A, and the, the ring canvas was actually vinyl, so I slipped a lot, so mm. that was awful. Mm. Um, hot months were, were terrible, but yeah. it, it ended up being a good time. But yeah, he didn't want to train a woman because he said that women were flaky. And I mean, he grew on me, and I grew on him, and like now we're great, mm-hmm. but it was, I was trial for sure so how how soon after you went there to start training did you end up with that ring announcing spot because that's that's where i'm getting to i didn't know that you immediately immediately, so he saw you and he was like all right i'm gonna make her the announcer like i'll i'll give her that to do because i come from a broadcast background um Ah. i have a degree in public relations and i did radio for three years okay yeah see that's what i wanted to unearth Uh that part of the story Uh, number one on middays in springfield missouri i always had very good ratings books (laughs) so we want to get to Dak too um and uh, really what i'm trying to unearth here is like and what tara started is were you following wrestling ever since you were knee high to a grasshopper did you know this was what you wanted to do oh yeah okay okay so uh when i was a little kid my dad and i used we used to always lay on the ground and we'd watch uh we'd watch wwf and i remember being too i was too small to really like i knew that they were like fighting but i was kind of too small to know what was going on, but the two things that are my two first, like, sentient memories of wrestling, one was, uh, I think it was, ta- he was he was Terry Taylor at this point. He wasn't the Red Rooster anymore, but he still kind of did that, like, bob when he walked during his entrance, and I just thought it was so cool to see this guy, like, kind of, like, strut, the way that he strutted out, and, like, I know like people, a a lot, yeah, <laughs> like, a lot of people don't say, don't say that about, like, Terry Taylor, but just to see that, I was like, Oh man, like because like you could tell he wasn't walking normal. I was like, he's really feeling himself. And I used to look at my shadow when I would walk then, and I would like do different things to see how like how he it made me look it. when I was like, of course I still do it. Consistency is key. And uh, <laughs> and then the second one was I, when Macho Man used to give that when Macho Man used to drop that uh, either elbow or uh, axe handle off when he'd jump off the apron onto you on the yeah. floor. I saw him do that, and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to be a wrestler. Like, I was like, that. I thought that was the coolest thing. And then uh, and then uh, it's really funny because I didn't become a Macho Man fan. No. I, like, somehow that happened. I was like, I want to be a wrestler. I want to be like Razor Ramon. And so, like, I think it's like I re- that really, really ignited, like, me loving wrestling. And then I got a little bit older. Razor Ramon came along. Mm-hmm. And, like, I thought Razor Ramon was the coolest in the world, of course, until I thought Stone Cold was the coolest. Like, <laughs> I really had like a little identity crisis uh, yeah. in between the uh, in between uh, Razor and uh, Diesel leaving, mm-hmm. and uh, Stone Cold really uh, catching fire. But uh, it was uh... so. Yes, I grew up a wrestling fan, and the first time I went to amateur wrestling practice, I was nine years, eight years old, and it was at the Air Force Academy in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. And my mom signed me up for wrestling camp because she didn't know that it was like, or maybe she did know, and she was trying to kind of push me out of out of pro wrestling. But she claimed she didn't know. She made me think I was going to pro wrestling camp. Oh. And so I remember I was walk I was walking down to the wrestling gym at the at the Air Force Academy, and I saw the boxing gym, and I was like, oh yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so I was like waiting there, and like somebody like one of the counselors like, no, we're in here, and it's this room with the mats, and you had to like jog and stretch, and it was horrible. And uh, we got to like, like re- something Janet would do. Yeah, it is something she would do. She tricked her poor little son. 
<laughs> okay, funny. maybe she didn't know there was a difference. Oh, I well, bet she did. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was, I was like, to... <laughs> so, there, and there was another kid. So I think so. There was this other kid named David that I was friends with, and we were big pro wrestling fans. And I think they were like upset because like I was a little bigger, and I kept like slamming him and kind of hurting him. Mm-hmm. And so his parents also sent him to a wrestling camp, and it was like he was not going to last in the wrestling camp. Like I was still good at like the wrestling part, like because mm-hmm. I was tough. But he wasn't going to last. And I was like, hey, I want to get moved to boxing camp because I want to be in the ring. And because uh, there were a bunch of different sports camps going on. And my parents were like, no, you can't. You can't switch camps. And David got switched to tennis camp. And I was like, actually, you can. And my mom's like, well, if you ever want to watch if you ever want to watch Monday Night Raw again, you have to keep going to wrestling practice. Like, that's the trade off. And so I like it. Yeah. I, and it look, at where it, look at where it led you. For real. Right. You know, at the end of the day, it may not have felt good or you kind of were frustrated at the time, but it. Look at you now. I'm you know? inc- I'm so thankful that she did that because, like, it got me into amateur wrestling, which made me such a better athlete. And I grew this love for amateur wrestling, too, because, like, you could really – and this is also – the timing was you fortunate. all the time. <laughs> yeah, I do watch it a lot still. Um, the timing was really fortunate because that was uh, – that's when Kurt Angle really started blowing up, too. Oh, so yeah. you could really see the parallels there with – where before, like, I feel like – Especially for a kid, there weren't a lot of amateur wrestlers like currently on TV because there wasn't YouTube and stuff back then. You weren't seeing a lot of people. We were a WWF house, so you weren't seeing a lot of guys. The Steiners weren't there. The Mm -hmm. Steiners were in WCW. You weren't seeing a lot of guys on WWF programming who were like in a singlet like a wrestler Mm -hmm. who were like, oh, yeah, this guy wrestled in college. This guy wrestled in the Olympics. So Kurt Angle, I feel like, really helped to bridge that gap for me. And uh and so, like, it really helped me to, like, focus on amateur wrestling. And I ended up getting good enough to uh, get a college scholarship. And I wrestled in college. And uh, it's funny because my – so I didn't know that independent wrestling existed. I thought that if you wanted to become a pro wrestler, you go to the WCW power plant or you go to <laughs> OVW. And right. that and that's what happens. Like, you you probably try and pr- play pro football. And when that doesn't work, you get signed like The right. Rock did. Like, that's that's right. also no in-between my steps. Uh, general impression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, oh yeah, we're very similar in that. Yeah. I found out what Ring of Honor was from the movie The Wrestler. Like, really? Oh. So there was this group of guys at my college. So I was like this like college athlete. And I was a good college athlete too. And so pe- a lot of people didn't think I was like a, like a big pro wrestling fan. Especially, I feel like a lot of wrestlers, especially when you're young like that age, are like, oh no, I don't like don't pro like wrestling. Like a lot of amateur wrestlers like yeah. they really try and take a hard stand and like mm-hmm. miss something they would enjoy. But. uh so uh, I was there was this group of uh, kids that were pro wrestling fans, and looking back, they were like independent fans and stuff. And I would come talk to them, and be like, "Oh, did you guys see Edge this week?" And they probably talked so much <laughs> when I walked away. Of course like, they did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're like Torimon guys. And exactly. Triple like, you know, A, and like you're talking about. Like, oh yeah, Raw. Ooh, yeah. live sex show. Huh? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> this guy. Uh-huh. And so, I, like, I saw I watched the movie The Wrestler, and I was like, "What." That's all right. He can bleep it out. That's good. He can bleep it out. You're getting into it, so but you gotta what? watch your language. You you've dropped a couple bombs. Oh, my mistake, guys. It's all good. That's I'm loving right. it. I'm loving it. Uh, but you know what? Actually, this she's is a bad a good, influence. Well, this is a good time. Maybe we need to take a quick, quick. <laughs> we break. are going to take a break. Yeah, yeah, we do. So stick with us, and we're going to continue with uh, potty mouth Dak Draper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. They went over the rules before we started. All right, we're back. Um, so, Dak, you were you were with um, NXT WWE. You were signed for a little bit. Yeah, I was. I uh, so it's kind of a funny story. I got um, 
offered to try out right after my last amateur wrestling match. So uh, it was the uh, national tournament in college, the uh, NCAA Division II tournament. And uh, I had just lost the match that would have made me an All-American by one point. And it was like a last-second takedown. And uh, <laughs> it was a uh, last-second takedown. And I was crushed. I'm sitting there in the bleachers. I've got my head down. I've got a towel over my head. Um, and uh, I hear a voice, and it goes, is that is that is that that uh, is that 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 kid that just wrestled? And uh, they're like, yeah. And I hear him go, can he talk? And my coach is like, oh yeah, he can talk. Because like, <laughs> my coach told me going into nationals, he was like, I love how many matches you win. I'm probably not gonna miss having you having to coach you very much. Because like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I feel like I don't make it easy. I stand up for myself a little bit. Like I've got a personality. Stand up for himself. He's a flip mouth. Well, yeah, <laughs> flip mouth, you know, bad attitude, and I know it. I'm proud of it. It's okay. Yeah, so uh, especially in amateur wrestling when so many guys just let things slide, like I didn't. And so he's like, oh, yeah, he can talk. And, he goes, and he's like, well, I'm going to be in touch. And he introduced himself to me. It was Jerry Briscoe, for, former, uh, right, well, of course, right. WWE Hall of Famer. And uh, I remembered him from being one of the Stooges from uh, from WWF TV when I was a kid, <laughs> yeah. which is, like, incredibly disrespectful looking back now. Right. But, yeah. like, I wasn't even – like, at that point, like – I looked up. I looked up a lot of Ring of Honor at that point in college because, like, I really liked the athletic, the uh, athleticism, and uh, and just like that style of wrestling. But I wasn't looking back through like Georgia Championship Wrestling and stuff like that. So, like, I I only knew him for what I had seen him and Pat Patterson do in the '90s. And uh, but he offered me a tryout, and I went down to Ta- they flew me down to Tampa, and it was like you. Were, this was still FCW. And it was like you were just in FCW for a week. It wasn't like the tryouts they have now where it's kind of like the boot camp style tryouts. We were just uh, – it was like there were, it was me and three other amateur wrestlers. And uh, they would they would just like – you kind of sat there during training. And then they would have uh, – and then they'd have like the new guys get in at like – for like the last 30 minutes. And they would kind of teach us something. By the end of the day, we had learned – or by the end of the week, we had learned to tackle, drop down, leapfrog, hip toss. And uh, the only thing I did well was cut a promo. I thought it was going to be so much easier than it was. I thought college wrestling was the toughest thing in the world, and the only thing I did well was cut a promo, but I thought the promo was going to get me signed. And uh, they, after a month, they called me, and they said, it's not going to work out, but we really think you have a lot of potential. We want you to fi- find training, and we're gonna, we want you to find training and stay in touch. And uh, I kind of thought that I didn't was never going to hear from them again, but I really wanted to do this because before that, I didn't know how to get into wrestling. So uh, – I uh, moved. I was living in Northwest Nebraska at the time, where I went to college. By the end of the week, I had moved to Denver to try and get training, and uh, I ended up stumbling into uh, Pat Tanaka, former uh, AWA Tag Team Champion. Wow! And so Pat kind of helped me out and really like taught me the basics. And it's so funny because Pat, his training was completely in line with WWE's training because after about seven months, they reached back out to me and they said, "We're looking for guys we think kind of fell through the cracks. We want to offer you another tryout." And uh, they offered me a tryout, and, like, halfway through, they pulled me aside, and they're like, we're going to make you an offer because you're, like, you're really crushing it. Right. And it was totally because Pat, like, com- I think coming from, like, WWF and just, like, right. I feel like he was just such – he was such a good wrestler. Everything he taught me was literally to the letter to how they were teaching at that time. So it really set me up for success there. I got signed. Um, the week before I moved to uh, to Tampa, they changed everything over from the FCW branding to the NXT branding. And uh, so I was, like, the first class to come into it with it being NXT. I was in a class with uh, – I came in with uh, Scott, Dawes- Scott Dawson, um, uh, Mercedes, uh, Sasha Banks, um, 
Angelo Dawkins and I were roommates. Uh, Madman Fulton from uh, from Impact. Uh, we were Madman Fulton Dawkins and I lived in a one bedroom apartment in South Tampa, <laughs> oh, wow. and it was like so getting to use the bathroom before we went to training in the morning was like <laughs> it was like a battle. Like I used to wake up, I used to try and wake up before them so I could go I, so I could use the bathroom first because otherwise, like you weren't getting this one dirty bathroom. Yeah, but it was so smart. Cool. It was so cool. I can't because, like, imagine how filthy that apartment must have been. Oh my I've god. Had, I was, I've had guy roommates before. Yeah. Oh, I would have been like you, though, Dag. I would have been trying to wake up early, like 4 in the morning, get in yeah. there, get my good hour, and then they wake up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I had got some good, you know. Yeah. Just er- kinda... Early bird gets the worm. Early bird gets to go to the bathroom indoors. Yeah. never <laughs> woken up right. early since. But uh, the training was, like, it was cool because, like, I thought the training was, like, awesome, too, because it, we were still in the FCW building in Tampa. And uh, they were getting ready for the move to Orlando. We didn't know it yet. And so the crew was getting smaller and smaller. Like we went, I think there were probably 60 people there when I started. I think it got pared down to almost 40 before we moved. And like those numbers might be off, but, uh, but it was like, it was considerably less people. And so I thought it was really cool because we got like pretty individualized training where uh, I worked when I came in, I worked with uh, Norman Smiley a lot at first. Mm -hmm. And so you really got to like nail down the basics, right. And it was just a lot of repetitions of the basics and, uh, I don't know, I really enjoy. I really, really loved FCW. I loved living in Tampa, and then uh, I had been there for about a year, and they moved us to uh, the Performance Center, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a lot different. There was a lot. The cameras were on you more. It was a lot more corporate, and uh, you. I feel like you had less time. Like I, I'm someone who likes. I think I like to use my time well, but she will disagree with that. But uh, <laughs> I like to no be, time management skills whatsoever. Like none. Like I like to be in charge of like my own workouts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can give me a workout to do, but I'd like to go ha- the gym is therapy for me. And I think it really kind of, uh, it affected me to have to get my, to lift at, uh, in the building. Like you still got the cameras on you. You're still mm-hmm. under the microscope. Yeah. And I feel like I really like lost some, like my therapy time there, like where I'm just thinking by myself and I would still, I would still try and go like work out at like a commercial gym just by myself mm-hmm. to do that. But like, it's just not that you're already tired then. And then you're just, there are even less hours in the I day when you do that. I feel like it's impossible to actually learn things whenever you're feeling like watched. Mm-hmm. Not yes. whenever you're yes. feeling monitored, but whenever you're feeling watched, it's yeah. different. You never relax. You don't retain information. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard environment to thrive in. I think my best way to describe my time there is like I learned so much and it really, really made me a good wrestling student. Mm-hmm. But I really felt like I got caught in the trap. I got lost in the shuffle because I got caught in the trap of trying to be such a good wrestling student that I wasn't trying to become a good wrestler. And so it was, I got really good at the drills and I got really good at doing even in matches. I got really good at doing the things that people wanted, uh, doing the things that like they're going to they're not going to yell at you in film because you didn't do anything wrong. But I didn't do enough stuff right where they really wanted to like, well, let's put that guy on TV. Like I didn't do anything like I would have fired me, too. And uh, you weren't in a position where you were thinking for yourself. You were just doing what you were taught how to do. Exactly. Like I wasn't creating on my own. So when I got released, I got released in August or September of 2014. It was like a weight went off of me. Like I knew that I was I was walking in with Juice Robinson into the performance center. And uh, the guy who ran, who ran the place, he was uh, he was standing there and he's like, hey, before training, uh, just swing by my office real quick. And Juice was like, oh, no, because he knew he knew that that meant that I was getting released. And uh, I did, too. And I was like, it was like this weight went off of me. I'd been scared of getting the first day they told us, like, hey, you can get fired at any time. And it was always kind of mm-hmm. it was always hanging over you. They were always kind of reminding you that you could this could be your last day here. And so it was like this weight went off of me where it was like, this is the thing that I've been terrified of for two years. Mm-hmm. And it happened and I'm fine. 
Like, right. and so I was just excited to like move on and move on to like the, the next chapter, like creating on my own. And a guy that I met when I was in uh, developmental was uh, Chris Hero. And Chris Hero became like a huge mentor of mine. And he'd been released a few months before me and actually like nine months. And so just seeing how he got to go back out on the indies and he was having so much fun and like this passion for wrestling that it like reignited in him where like he was always passionate about wrestling. But this like I could never at that point, I could never imagine him being more passionate about wrestling. So when he got released and all of a sudden he loves wrestling that much more, I was like, I want that. I don't want to be scared every time I think about wrestling. And so I was like really excited when I got released because it was like, okay, now I can get good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, but, and so like on one hand, I was like excited to like go out there and get good. But something that I think the performance center, being in the performance center and being in FCW and developmental so early in my career helped me with was I got used to being coached. And so uh, I think throughout my life, even now, I still try and. I'm still like seeking coaching. And I think that's like really important with improving in wrestling. Cause you see so many guys where it's like, okay, they start to get popular on shows. They start to come in and, uh, and like they're getting a good reaction. They're starting to get booked a lot of places and they stop training. They stop trying to improve. They'll show up to training and they'll just kind of sit there and watch and maybe throw out a critique or two when really they should still be in there. They should still be in there getting reps. And I think uh, being at the performance center and probably overdoing some training really helped to like form that, uh, to form that hierarchy in my mind that you always have to be improving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Chris actually emailed me about you. He re- um, I guess when you were moving up this way, it oh, must yeah. have been for Ring of Honor. Chris was he, he had emailed me and said, "Make sure he's moving up to Baltimore." So I, is, yeah, and he was like, he was like, get, "Get this guy on your shows," and I was like, "Okay." So he, yeah, Chris reached out to me. Yeah, hero. You. Hero's yeah. like I, I look at him as like a big brother in wrestling to me. Yeah. He's a really good guy. So it's funny. I actually didn't move up here for Ring of Honor though. Oh, it wasn't. Oh. So you just I I, I can't. I, I remember the email and him going back and forth, and then I I guess it was oh, well, not too long after that was the dojo or something. He he probably well, he probably said that though because uh, originally I decided to move to Baltimore when NWL that uh, that company in Kansas City when it closed, the moment the owner walked in and said I'm shutting it down, I said oh I have to move to the East Coast. Like yeah, mm-hmm. I knew that I had to move because just the Midwest is there's not a lot of there's. There aren't a lot of promotions in the, like there are promotions in the Midwest, mm-hmm. but they're spread out. And uh, I just I wanted a new challenge, and I knew that I wasn't going to get to the next level that I wanted to get to if I was if I was just hanging out in the Midwest around people that were used to me. And so I knew I was going to have to have a change of scenery, and I decided Baltimore was centrally located where I could go up to the north, the, the super northeast. I could go down to the south, and so I was planning on moving to Baltimore. And like a few weeks before I go, I see this announcement that uh, this announcement that Ring of Honor is moving the dojo to to Baltimore, and I was like, "Oh, this is perfect! Like the stars are aligning." I had a former uh, coach that uh, was in, that was involved, so I reached out to him just to ask if I could come to train because I wanted to make connections. I knew of MCW, like MCW is one of the places where I was like, like super high on the list, where it's like I want to try and get booked there, and I fe- I felt like. There are probably guys that are getting booked on all these indies that are training at the dojo so I can meet these guys and network. And so that was my original uh, reason for going to the dojo was I just wanted to network. And uh, the rest of it, yeah, the rest of it has been history. And you guys yeah. were together? Did were, you guys move up together? Were you on board with that too? Quinn? No. So, um, well, yeah, I was on board, obviously. <laughs> but we moved out here separately. I originally stayed in Missouri. Oh, okay. Um, and was, n- I mean, I was thinking about getting out to baltimore but like i was waiting for something to actually align where it made sense because i didn't because we were fairly like new in our relationship mm-hmm. we we hadn't been together all that long 
And uh, so he moved out here, what, like six, four months? It was like four, month, four months before four months you. Before I, mo- I moved out here in, I think, August of 2018, and she moved out here right around uh, New Year's 2018. Yeah, okay. so the plan was, like, always to get out here, but I didn't know, like, why or what for. And then eventually it was just to go to MCW. Um, and then I went to a Jonathan Gresham seminar, and I met Gresham, and he invited me to the dojo from there. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, but Gresham didn't know that we were together. He'd never met me before. He had only just really started training. Gresham, I mean, he wasn't, he was kind of in and out at the time, right? Like, he wasn't a full-time coach at the dojo yet. Yeah, it's, I feel like there's, like, a big theme with us where, especially, like, early on, we really didn't want, like, she didn't want to start training at the dojo because she was my girlfriend. Right. Exactly, and right. we yeah, didn't want to be yeah. known as, I didn't want to be known as Quinn's boyfriend. So the goal she, was to go to MCW. And she didn't want to be known as okay. Dax, as Dax's girlfriend. Yeah. And so... She was going to move up here, and she was just going to – she was going to – I had talked to Dean a little bit at MCW. She was going to just start training at MCW, and uh, – because also, sidebar, I think MCW is, like, one of the best, like, training operations, and I think she agrees with me. I had only had two matches at the time, like, by the time I went to Gresham Seminar, so it's not like I had a ton of experience or was a great worker. I was incredibly green. Um, So it was never like, I'm going to end up at the Ring of Honor dojo. It was like, oh, maybe I should take, like – beginner courses at mcw (laughs) well thank you you. (laughs) yeah so yeah and that's uh, one thing that we are very proud of is that we're one of the more reputable not only professional wrestling companies on the indies but we also have the support of that fantastic school i mean even this episode i'm wearing our old bone breakers training Mm -hmm. academy which Mm -hmm. was my pathway into becoming an announcer and being given a role uh, and tara as well so yeah uh, that's just great that you know you could shout us out as being one of the the premieres in the countries for learning how to uh train and and get involved yeah and and that's so that that's I had, I had thought when Chris had emailed me and then that the dojo opened up, that's why I kind of thought like you guys came in for that and were being brought in for that. It all kind of worked out timing wise. Then it was all just coincidental. Yeah, it was just but very all, serendipitous. Yeah. In the end. It is one yeah. of those. Right. It is one of those things, too. It, it kind of pisses me off when guys from the Midwest reach out to me and are like, hey, what's the way into Ring of Honor? It's like, well, you saw the way that I got in. Like, yeah, you packed I, up and went. Right. Like, yeah. I, I yeah. moved out here without even thinking the dojo was going to be here. I just yeah. moved out here to further my career and bet on myself and to mm-hmm. get better. And we did eventually get developmental contracts, but whenever we came out here for the dojo, we were not paid. We the, did not have jobs. Mm-hmm. I had no money. Like, it was just I packed up all of my stuff in my car and I moved across the country for what I wanted to do. Right. And if yep. you really want to make something happen, then you'll figure out how to do it. And, and that's the yeah. truth. That's the, you know, I, I get bombed <clears throat> I, because RJ and Dean had kind of become like a gatekeeper for me and i still get bombed with people obviously we've been down for a year with everything but i, I get bombed with people that just send me videos like that are facebook hey watch this match watch this match watch this match and i just don't watch any of that crap i got a kid i got you know so i've always said like a guy like mjf is a good who wasn't our student um but he just showed up here and like started you know i get you get bombed with so much as a promoter and especially a, a more reputable indie even to get into us as opposed to Ring of Honor is a whole different story. I've always said, like, show up, you know, and help out and jump in. And, and MJF, and, and we, we we threw him on. Dean and RJ came to me and was like, look, this guy, he's a good kid. He's got a good look. He's helping set up the ring. He came down from New Jersey. I'm like, well, yeah, give him a chance. You know, yeah. if, you, you, you know what I mean? Did, and, you even did birthday parties. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Birthday yeah. Parties. You just got to go do it. on a you, birthday party today? 
uh, otherwise, I, yeah. card. I was like, okay, cool. As a promoter <laughs> that gets bombed, you just get lost because I'm not mm-hmm. watching. No. Yeah. I'm not watching 50 videos a week of of indie wrestlers that want me to watch a match. And but you know. it's harder to ignore someone in person than it is on the absolutely 100. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. what I mean. Just show up. Just yeah. go. Yeah. It's, well, it's way. Like the long held secret has kind of been if you want to get booked on MCW, you show up to the birthday party. Yeah. So I get the same people like sending me matches. Oh, I can do this. I can do that. So you know we've. Uh, brought people in to work birthday parties where, you know, we pay you with, you know, Becky's delicious beef stew. Hey, but, you is, know, which is, it's, that's well <laughs> worth I mean, the booking well worth fee. But, yeah. um, Five you know, Michelin stars. We, we get people that are like, oh, you're not even good enough for a birthday party. I'm sorry. <laughs> we did not say that to you. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. Jack Draper's here. Uh, let's have a birthday party tryout before the kids <laughs> get here. Don't put him in the birthday match. He's not ready yet. He's not ready to work with an eight-year-old, okay? <laughs> Just He's power still, bomb. He's still green. Happy birthday, stupid. You can also probably hear our, our dog complaining in the background he just does that oh, oh yeah that's quite all right he takes after it's our third Maybe guest we'll on, the, yeah. on, the, on, the baby on the show this week um well let's talk a little bit about your time in ring of honor now yeah, totally. so you know you've so, got you've had some pro- high profile matches you've got one coming up mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean your first i i literally my jaw dropped when uh i watched that segment um also want to call out uh, shout out to Maria Canellis because in my times of watching you do your job, especially with the in-ring segments, typically it's always some big guy grabbing the microphone from yep. you. You get to say your first question, and the first thing they do is take the microphone from you, and my heart goes out to you every time because, like, what are you supposed to do then? Just stand there. They do it to Tony Schiavone right now, I've been noticing yeah. on uh, AEW uh, as well. I have it's, I've had started it so to many take times. it back. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. But leave it to Maria to be like, okay, this person has a job. What do I look like taking the microphone from them? Mm-hmm. Like, it's time for me to cut my promo. Uh, but, yeah, I, I literally gagged when I found out that it was revealed you were going to be facing Angelina Love. Yes. Have you ever had a match in... ROH no. just yet? Yeah, I didn't no. think so. So Mm-mm. I didn't even know that that was part of your repertoire. Have uh, you been Have you been wanting to get to that? Yes, I absolutely. Guess, yeah. Well, because that was always the goal. Like right. even when I was at the Ring of Honor Dojo, was to train to be a wrestler. I didn't know that I was going to end up being a host of a show. Like mm-hmm. that was never in the cards. She had blue hair, and she had to get her hair dyed that week. Yeah. Oh like, wow. Right. <laughs> they told me that I was going to be on TV, and they were like, "You have to get your hair dyed by Saturday." And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Right. Yeah. Like. Yeah. But that's the but way it actually, is. so f- like from the outside looking in, like both ways, you stood out to me. Like when you were, showed up at a show, I remember the blue hair, and I was like, oh, who's that? Like you just stood out. I can't remember RJ, and they were like, that's Dak's girlfriend. She's gonna be doing the dojo, and uh, you stood out. But the same way, when um when I the first like video I saw of like you doing the interviewing with the glasses, and mm-hmm. it was and the bow tie it was just like. It was different. You know, I remember seeing the video. It was like, who's that? And then someone said, oh, that's it. She had the blue hair. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, (laughs) so like both ways, you kind of both ways, you know, you jumped out. But it's funny how and this happens uh, to anyone that's out there thinking about getting involved or breaking in. This happens often. They make you go out of your comfort zone. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever. I don't know how long you had that blue hair, but you probably had been Three quite years. attached to it. Oh, wow. Right. Attached to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, same with me. Like, I have a high top fade. We need that to come off. Like, we need the beard to come off. <laughs> you know, and it's you? like, you okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. But there's the opportunity because yeah. it's about, like, how flexible is this person? Yeah. How flexible is this person who probably has had this blue hair for mm-hmm. who knows how long? 
uh, to now, you know, be like, you know, begrudgingly, okay, or sure, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. I'll be there by Saturday with my hair, you know, dyed a different colors. So You have to see if someone is willing to rise to the occasion. Indeed. Because there are a lot of people that aren't. Yeah. Or, 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 or who knows? They could have actually been seeing how willing you were, which led you to now your ultimate goal, which is this match with, like, a legend. Okay, Angelina yeah. Love, we know her, you know, for years. Yeah, we were uh, just talking about her a couple of weeks ago, how, what a delight she was to work with. Yeah, yeah. so, we, you we know. Scott yeah, we yeah. work with her a yep. bunch. Yeah, so that's a lesson great. for all of you out there watching and listening to Quinn's, you know, ascent, as yep. it were. You sometimes got to do things that you don't want to do. You sometimes got to chop off your hair or dye your <laughs> hair or start out being an announcer yeah. and have people take mics from you. But, you know, if you just keep on hustling and grinding, good things ha- come from that. So A lot of the time you yeah. have to, to do yeah. things that you don't want to do. But if you do them to the best of your ability, people will notice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Yeah. Very good advice. Indeed. It's all right advice. <laughs> but, but yeah, the goal is always to always to wrestle. Real quick, I don't want to move off of this. Real quick, up until um, this point, did you, had you had any uh, matches with like notable uh, figures in the industry? Is this like your highest profile? Is what I'm trying to get at. Like, where does this stand in your? So this is definitely my highest profile match because one, it, it's with a seven-time world champion, and two, it's on television. <laughs> yeah, so doesn't get much more high profile than that. The I was actually signed to an exclusive contract to Ring of Honor from the very the very beginning, um, so I wasn't allowed to take indie bookings, ah. and then. I was allowed to take indie bookings very shortly for a period of time last year, and now I'm no longer allowed to take them again. Um, but last March, I got to go to Barbados, and that was the last match that I actually wrestled. It was the first match I had wrestled in a year, and then also the last match that I have wrestled in a year. Mm. So in a two-year time period, just that one match in Barbados. I did win um, the ECWA Women's Super 8 Championship. I am also a former women's champion, and I feel like people forget that all the time. People are like, you should just stick to interviewing. Oh. Angelina is a seven-time world champion. It's like, I'm also a former world champion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely noteworthy. A little fire and, uh, coming out in there. Well, wow. you know, some of us didn't know that. And, yeah. you know, with yeah. also um, kind of the, the I don't, I hate to use the term women's revolution, but with everything that we've been seeing a lot of women do in the industry, it kind of opens the doors. I remember right before mm-hmm. she left, people were talking about Renee Paquette, who's uh, been a mm-hmm. guest of MCW. Like, yeah, is my, she going to start my hero, tangling? My idol. Uh, mine yeah. too. Mine too. Yeah. Like, seriously. Mm-hmm. You know? icon. Yeah. And boy, did she pick a winner. <laughs> okay. You know, um, you know, as far as her, her man's concerned. Uh-huh, but, um, uh-huh. you know, the, right before she got out of, you know, her role, primarily with WWE, a lot of people were percolating online about like, wow, I wonder if Renee would get would mess with Ronda Rousey or something like that. <laughs> something that would be a total mismatch. And I remember right. she tweeted back, she'd be like, I'd love to hook it up eventually in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So it's just really re- refreshing to see you start where you started mm-hmm. in the public eye, where you're moving to, and the possibilities for where you're going to go are kind of endless. Um, you know, it's thank you. I think of it that way too. People ask me all the time. They're like, "Do you think you're going to go back to like just hosting the show, or do you think you're going to be a wrestler full time?" And I'm like, "I don't. I, I'm not honestly very concerned about it right now." But. You do whatever. You do whatever. whatever. You do whatever you show. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've done every role here at MCW. Yeah. So you show up and you do what they tell you to do. I get yeah, it. That's exactly. right. That's right. Well, that's every. Awesome. It's all about being a team player. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that just a you know. Acai moonsault off of that? Any, any, besides, I mean, obviously, Gresham, Gresham at the 19th anniversary must have been a, a huge milestone for oh you because God. that, that man and that match too, I highly recommend that. If you, if you, if you didn't see it, it was, 
It's a highlight of the show for me, honestly. Um, Tope Suasleepa. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. It was such a good call. It was such yeah. a good call. It's stuck in my brain. Tote, was that uh, Ian? Uh, no, it was no, Rocky. It was oh, Rocky? I thought it was Caprice. Oh, was it? I think it was Caprice. Tope I was. I was so escalated i was so escalated watching yeah. i can't remember who it was <laughs> yeah well it was it was a it was a mile it was a great match for me but any milestone matches or oh, career man. highlights championships that you i feel like i have the match of my life every every year or so so i'm always trying to have the match of my life and i'd say this match probably was the match of my mm-hmm. life i've rest i feel like in in football growing up I lined up across from guys that were future all all pro uh, offensive linemen in uh, in the NFL in college wrestling. I've wrestled against future world champions and future UFC champions. Um, I've re- I've competed against top tier athletes, and Gresham is right up there in that upper echelon with the with the highest yeah. of the high athletes that I've competed against. It was uh, man, it it's one of those matches where it sucked to lose, but walking back through the curtain. You were a winner. Yeah, well, you, uh, you both won. It, it was yeah. a win for wrestling, just in general, the match was. Uh, yeah. That's why I keep touting it. And, yeah, I, 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 I'm not surprised that you mentioned that when it's kind of like a, you know, one of the most memorable matches you've had to date. It was great. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was like, yeah, it's one of those things. Like, when I walked out, I wasn't as good of a wrestler as when I walked back. Yeah. So, like, I, I felt like I still improved. Like, it really sucks to lose. But. Yeah, two good-looking athletes, too. You know, both of you guys are very well put together. I mean, no. <laughs> Gresham's done a lot of work over the oh, past year. Yeah. He is yep. like well, a sight to be held. He's a little bulldog. When, oh yeah. When I when I did that the power bomb off the off the second rope, people don't realize how heavy Gresham is because he's got all that muscle. He's, like mm-hmm. he is he is a strong athlete. Like he is a he is a beefy man. Stout yes. athlete. Yes. Yeah, and you're a tall drink of water yourself, so I'm sure I he am. had a um, a long way to pull him up yeah, there exactly, too. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely recommend that, and uh, we want to continue uh, talking with y'all, but I think we need to pause one more time for a little internet station identification, so we'll be right back with Dak and Quinn. All right, we are back with Dak Draper and Quinn McKay, and we were just talking about your time in Ring of Honor and some of the uh, opponents you faced and who you will be facing in the future. So I want to um, talk for a little bit about some things that you, some interests you might have outside of Ring of Honor. Right. And um, I'm going to start with you, <laughs> Quinn, because uh, there's something in your past that appeals to, that speaks to me, something I've always been interested in. But um, I found out that you were a former roller derby uh, player. Yeah, I was. I played for eight years, actually. Wow. Yeah. I start- Oh, well, that's me. <laughs> that's, that's you. That's me. Look at that I look on her face. I stalked your Facebook. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, please. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, taken by the lovely David Strong. That's number 44, the fabulous Flash. She existed before Quinn McKay did, but was definitely um, a part of forming who Quinn McKay is, because I think that I learned how to showboat out there like that because I was a jammer um but yeah I played for eight years for Springfield Roller Derby and then there was like another team for a while that split off from Springfield Roller Derby because they had drama and they wanted to create their own team and I skated for them for a little bit because I was too much of a rock star of course she was going to join the team with the most drama and then (laughs) well at the time it seemed like they had less drama but I ended up going back to Springfield Roller Derby but I absolutely loved it Roller Derby was one of my like first passions in life did you ever think about joining Charm City Roller Girls here in Baltimore actually Actually, yes, to the extent that I secretly went to some practices last year before the pandemic started. And I don't know, because, like, 
it's kind of dodgy, like, whenever you're under contract. Because technically, you're not supposed to do anything that puts you at risk. But it's not like roller derby puts me any more at risk than, like, playing a game of, like, pick up softball or something like that. I'm going to tell you right now, look the other way. It's nice to dream, you know what I'm saying? But you don't want to jam yourself up no. at all. But I realized that, and I walked yeah. away from it without, yeah, like I hadn't even, basically I passed all of my minimum skills testing. They were like, oh my God, you're way better than we thought you were. And I was like, yes, I've been telling you I played for almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, I just don't have time. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then the world shut down, so... But yeah. I love it. So I just love to skate. I've skated my entire life. Me too. <laughs> I've had skates on my feet since I was four and a half years old. Yep. Like, it's, I've always loved it. Yep, me too. I loved it. And I've always, I, I don't know why I never, I never did roller derby. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been into Yo, why it. Why haven't stuff. you gone for charm? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I probably missed that window. No, you I could don't totally know, do it. I would love to. But when I found that out about you, I was like, oh my God, she was in roller derby. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. Like, I, yeah, yeah. even a bigger it's, fan now because of knowing that about you. So, and that probably yeah. helped prepare you for what you would face in training in wrestling too, oh, right? Yeah. I yeah. think that I was much more predisposed to learning how to take proper bumps because mm-hmm. I already knew how to like I already had good body control yeah. because on roller in roller derby people are actually trying to hurt you all the time mm-hmm. so whenever they're checking you with their body they're actually skating in at you as fast as they can and hitting right. you as hard as they can so I'd already had some people trying to bowl me over and like having to roll out of that and have good body control so that I wouldn't get hurt um, but obviously it takes a toll on the body so like yeah. I broke my fibula in 2015 just snapped it clean in half I've had more rolled ankles than I can count I uh, dislocated my shoulder. I've had. I, ha- I almost broke my wrist once. I sprained my wrist so bad that I threw up and had to go to you. <laughs> it was bad. Lovely. So, um, you know, I've had some aches and some pains mm-hmm. along the way that absolutely set me up for the expectations that I should have going into wrestling. Wow, that's, I can see like a future character where you roller skate down into the ring. <laughs> I think a lot of people really wanted me to do that and they were like, what if you came out in like your gear and you came out in yeah. like your roller derby pads and your skates and stuff? And I was like, you have no idea how long those pads t- take to put on mm-hmm. take on and off how limited your mobility is whenever you're in them and also if i had on a roller derby pad and i gave somebody a back elbow i'd bust them open every time right every time so um there are some issues with it but i like <laughs> the idea in theory can i ask uh like kind of like in wrestling and roller der- derby did you ever get kind of checked and then Specifically went out of your way to give that receipt? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's all roller derby is. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's all roller I derby is. Like it. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I, I think you're tailor made for it, too. Like, okay, you want to jam me up? I'm going to go oh, around okay. it when I see you again. I have pent up hostility. Yeah. Well, and roller derby is so, I was a jammer, so I was mm-hmm. a point scorer. There's only uh, one designated point scorer per team on the track at a time so the other people are just blockers mm. and then i don't know if you know how roller derby works but like Not once really, you but... so the jammer gets out she laps everybody and then once she's lapped everyone for every opposing blocker she passes when she comes back through the pack which is what's the group of the group of blockers are called every opposing blocker she passes she gets a point for ah. so you get four, four points uh, if you pass all of the blockers, because there's four blockers out at a time, and you get a fifth point called a grand slam if you also lap the opposing jammer because she's a little slow. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I never knew how that worked. Me, neither did I. Uh, I was going to get an education because similar to <clears throat> you, 
I know someone that's on the Charm City Roller Girls team, and they wanted me to come down to maybe, they said we don't always have a, a loudspeaker guy. They oh. didn't even call it an announcer. Okay. They were like, we a don't, loudspeaker we don't, guy. Yeah, we don't even have a guy to call, call everything out all the time, and don't uh-huh. you do something like that? So that's what's really funny is that I just found out last weekend, because I remember, so I came into Roller Derby, it was my, I was a freshman in college. My brother actually got me involved, as he's gotten me involved in most cool things in my life. Wasn't and he the loudspeaker guy? He was the loudspeaker guy. He was the loudspeaker guy, but the reason that I ended up leaving that f- team in the first place, because I said the other team seemed like they had less drama, was because they fired my brother as the loudspeaker guy, and the loudspeaker guy, the announcer that they hired to come replace him, ends up being an, a radio engineer, not a radio personality, the engineer for a radio station I ended up working for later on, and I had no idea it was the same guy, because oh, wow. I wow. met him like 10 years apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting time. I don't like that guy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, sometimes unknowingly people kind of like you know get set up to jam you up, um, mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. and not just in the mm-hmm. context of you know or your family in that case. So mm-hmm. it's easy to hold resentment against someone who kind of mm-hmm. you know takes your spot. <laughs> so we're uh, back. With uh, that said, uh, any um, any outside interests? Um, you know, Tara called out. You know, I didn't really stalk you on Facebook. I think maybe I'm I sorry. should. It's I mean, all good. But any outside interests uh, that? You know, well, you, you know, you know my, my main outside interest and hobby is keeping uh, her all of her grudges in order. But uh, no, <laughs> <There's> um, a <laughs> list. Oh yeah, you're a Sagittarius. I, yes, so, you know that. Oh, yeah. I, once wow. I found that out, I actually was like, okay, I I understand Quinn a lot more wow. than okay. I. You know, it's been a lot of learning based or discovery based learning with with me finding out about you. But I don't want to. Take oh, the no, spotlight off a of Dak because you know it's, it's two of you and we. Wait, Sa- Sagittarius, that's one where like you only eat fish, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. That's right. Well, we have we like a Pisces. I just said that I don't eat seafood, but that's definitely it. Um, I'd say uh, my interests outside of wrestling, like my hobbies outside of wrestling, I love fishing. Mm-hmm. I love all sports. I'm always listening to sports radio. I got that from my dad. He he always said that sports radio is the best genre of music. Oh. And uh, so I've always got some kind of mindless sports radio babble going on in the background. But lately, a lot of my time has been kept up uh, with our little dog, Dog Draper. Um, His re- name's Hafthor Babyson, after the uh, strongest, world's strongest man, Hafthor Bjornsson, also the mountain on Game of Thrones. Oh, there he is. And there what he is. What breed is he? I think you were telling me. Uh, what breed? So do- he's an old English bulldog. He's like a he's like a bulldog, but he'll be a little bit taller. So instead of being like mm-hmm. short to the ground, having and it's hopefully so he won't have breathing problems. Exactly, so, because uh, that's the big thing. They, and you said he's what seven months old now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's seven oh. months old. He's 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 laying down on the floor right now. He's uh, he's, he's chilling, and uh, he is a little handful. But it's so funny because <laughs> I'm someone who. I've been a rest. I've been a wrestler since I graduated college. Like I have not had a whole lot of responsibility in my life. Mm-hmm. She's the first. She's the first girlfriend I've ever lived with. Yeah. And so Ooh. I've always had my time has always been my own. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it has been an adjustment, but it's been so awesome where you give this little creature your time and you try and teach him things. And like sometimes he's bad and it really it like almost like kind of hurts you because you're like trying to teach him and he's not learning. But then when he does like what you want him to do or he makes you proud, it like it feels so good. It's like a feeling that you've never felt before. Like it's just like Aww. that like love that you feel for like this little creature. So he's uh, changed my life. Oh, yeah. it's it's like. 
preparation for kids. You I know? mean, Tara, you yeah. and I are right in the same place. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, you wait. So uh, earlier today, this wasn't on screen, but I got a little fist bump from yes, half Thor. And um, are there other skills you've trained him to do? Mm-hmm. He does. Uh, he does dance, which is where he spins in a circle. Oh! And sometimes he gets real tired, and when he goes to dance, like it's like more of like a side shuffle. It's like yeah. the laziest <laughs> little spin. Like he does not want to dance. When he's not feeling it, he'll just walk in a circle for you and like oh. side eye you the whole time. Yeah, just be pissed <laughs> yeah. off. Great. Um, he also can speak. And he can lay down. Whenever he's in trouble, you can say half their touch, and he'll come touch the palm of your hand. Well, if he wants to. Coincidentally, one of our cats, Cat Draper. Has picked it up, too. Also does touch now because she loves him so much. And she follows him around all day. They're best friends. And and she'll, she'll run from him and go slow enough that, like, he can see her because if she goes too fast, he won't see her and he'll just lose interest and not He's chase stupid. her. <laughs> so she'll like go slow and, uh, and then he'll catch up to her and she'll run away again, but only till he can see her and he'll catch up. But she watches him do his tricks and she started to like try and do the tricks also. So it's Before really, really Before we cute. had a dog, we taught her how to fetch. So like she likes to learn anyway, but yeah. I didn't realize that she was going to pick up like – all day. <laughs> I've had a cat that plays fetch before, too. It's My adorable. four current cats do not play fetch uh-uh. unless it's for Four? Food. Yes. Okay. They're... Listen, once you get a cat, sometimes you just keep getting cats. And you know what? Once Back. you have one and then you get two, there's really not much difference between two and three and four there's and really six. Not. Two I mean, has been really... my max. Oh, so you're pl- my you're max. planning on six yeah. in the future. My mom is actually moving in with me, and um, she's bringing two cats. So, oh, so yeah, you are going to so have six. legitimately have six cats, yes. Yeah. Pretty soon you're going to be a veterinarian with all this experience. <laughs> so, we bought a big house. It's okay. They, mind, they kind of mind their own business. It's really easy to forget that you have, like, a herd. Yeah, it's yeah. only when, like, you open the can of food that all of a sudden you look and you're like, wait, are you new? When did you get here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who are you? Are you the neighbor's cat? <laughs> you're just here to eat me if I die. Right. Thank oh you, Quinn. That's oh what makes God. me so, that's what makes do, me no, so annoying. Studies have shown yeah. that a cat is more likely to eat you than if you die than a dog is. Yeah. A dog will just lay next yeah. to your decomposing yeah, corpse, whereas a cat will start to eat you. Yeah, he'll start to consume you. Within 12 hours. They've actually done studies to see how long it will take a cat. Cats are coming. They were trying to eat me? No. Well, the food. She licks my nose. bringing them the food. Like So in their eyes, it's like just like how their mama used to. She's deciding if you're going to be the appetizer of the main course. Because cats are carnivores and dogs are omnivores. So I get that. Cats are more inclined to just eat meat anyway. But Waffles <laughs> does do this thing. Her name is not Cat Draper. Her name is Waffles. And she sits oh. on his chest, like, and she waits for him to start to fall asleep. And once she notices that his breathing pattern's changed, she shoves her little tongue up his nose and tries to lick his brain. <laughs> She, she does it every night. She's God, always done worrisome. it. It's so weird. It's no, so that, that, that so isn't I, what she's trying to do. She's trying to take your soul. I think it's safe <laughs> to say that, you know, well, you, she already be, has my you heart. would be the first Aww. course, and you're probably safe. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're never going to finish well, eating all, you. You all could feed off of him That's if that true, were the yeah. case. Mm-hmm. Boy, what a turn this podcast has made. Quinn McCannibal over here. Yeah, Quinn McMuscles. I appreciate that I'm not the only one that knows about the eating habits of cats, so <laughs> yeah. thank you for that. You're I feel validated. Well, that's I'm one thing help. I did know because I sold a house like two years ago. It was a foreclosure to an investor, and they bought it to rehab it. And uh, the neighbors would not stop when my investors were rehabbing it, would not stop coming over once we got it on the market to tell anybody that was coming into the house that the lady there had died and her cats ate her. <gasps> oh! You know, and the house was <laughs> rehabbed. And then... My Wait, invest- did you show me that house? <laughs> Probably. 
Oh my God. Right, I think oh, you, you can't oh. visit the sins of the cats on, you know, they're beasts. At yeah. The end of the day, guys. But they, would, they wouldn't stop. They wouldn't stop telling. They wouldn't stop oh, telling. Wow. I like knew telling. that that's where that story was yeah. going, and yeah. I was still horrified. And, and they invested. My investor ended up buying a lot of gift cards for the neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, guys. Just to kind of like, up. hey, yeah. Like, it's not a bribe, but yeah. it's not not a bribe. Yeah. Right. right. Can you stop? Yeah. Right. 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 So yeah. So I learned the, about that then. I was like the cat. That's Ader. <laughs> wow. Huh. You know? that happens, yeah. I feel like they wouldn't have eaten her whole stuff. No, they didn't just, eat their whole thing. I guess they just chewed on her. Yeah, and they probably started, like, just with your cat going up the nose, they right? probably started right with her mouth. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah. I guess when she was oh, found, and that's... Soft, the lips, you know? And again, obviously... R.I.P. Yeah. And yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, R.I.P. Like, I wonder how much of a person a cat could eat in one sitting, like like a finger's You're really worried about this, aren't you? I don't know, yeah, Do you intend on dying anytime soon? Because they're not eating you if you're alive. It's only if you've already died. And I I feel like, unless it's like a double murder, I would have already informed the police of your body. Yeah, so it's not going to happen, right? She's got it planned out. I like that. Unless it's not planned out. Let's not say planned out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She's got like scenarios. Remember this podcast when I go missing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So half Thor gets along with the cats. You have two. He gets along great. Yeah, we have two cats. So she she got a cat when she was in college. That is like she's her like best friend. Yeah. And I think that cat views me as like the third pet. Yeah. She and then Waffles is the fourth pet, and Half Thor is the fifth pet. Where I think that cat thinks on the hierarchy that like she's a little bit higher than I so am. So she's the queen of the house. She mm-hmm. probably okay. is a little mm-hmm. bit. She's very, she's very. Uh, she kind of has the same demeanor as a lot of Kelly's friends, mm. where it's like she's kind of like bossy to me. Like, she'll be like, <laughs> "Hey, you, you." She yells a lot. She's cantankerous. So she's top mm. cat. I mean, there's a hierarchy with cats, mm-hmm. you know, and she's top cat. Yep. Which isn't. I feel like I should be top cat, but whatever. You're a like, snack. <laughs> <laughs> I am a snack. It's true. Oh, he turned that into a compliment. Did you see that? I well, thought it was a compliment to begin with. Honestly, yeah. I forgot we were talking about. I knew that. what Tara was talking about. Yeah. Careful of yourself. So all in all, how is a a wrestling relationship? How has it been for you guys? Um, I think that before this, we would both say, like, hey, don't do it. And it is really hard, especially if, um, like, your careers are at different points ever. You just have to make sure that your communication is, like, the number one thing. And I think that's the thing with all relationships, but especially whenever you're in the media or the public eye at all. You just have to make sure that you're on the same page because other people aren't going to be. Yeah, and you guys seem like you are. For someone that's been around a lot longer than you guys, like, I started in 1990s, it was so – taboo like people dating and wrestling mm-hmm. um, well for one reason you, not to yeah, yeah. well yeah. that and also if you bought your girl around yeah no, no knock on him but adam flash you know or, or whoever else i was like you know well don't bring your girl around here or else she's gonna be i think sharks. maybe culture you know so that too, was, yeah I, look i was in a wrestling relationship a wrestling marriage and it didn't work out tara we've all been there um Sometimes I, I like, they work out. Huh? Sometimes they work. But no, what seems like me, like in the last like ten years or like it's a lot of, a lot mostly all really successful wrestling relationships. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's it. But twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, it was it was very taboo. It never worked out. They always split up. Ended up with other people. But in the last ten or fifteen years, most of the rela- wrestling relationships 
you seem seem to work out. Yeah, every you know, once in a while you get well. like a page in Alberto del Alberto Patron that was right. Nice but for the all, most but... for the most part in the last you know for the most part the last decade or so it seems like it's s- that that taboo is gone. Yeah, yeah. you see yeah. them being successful when they work for different promotions. Like last week when we had Nick and Becky on here, they work for different promotions mm-hmm. and you know they found a way to make it work. And like you said, Kelly, just the communication yeah. is key and being able to do that. But it's probably good to have like that common interest. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, yeah. It really no matter is. what, you know, we always know what the other is talking about, and we have a frame of reference yeah. for it, which makes it easier. But I think that it's just hard to date as a wrestler in general because, like you said, like you don't want to bring your girl around. But also, if your girl's not in wrestling, like you're on the road all the time, or she's on the road all the time, and like that's what makes it hard. So you have to be mm-hmm. like secure in yourself. Yeah, it's exactly well. what I brought up to Nick and yeah. Becky. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it was my, one of my questions for them. You know, because they're they're newer. Right, you know, to to one another, and I was like, oh, "What's like the trust factor like when you know he's away and you're away, and has anyone ever tested you?" Mm-hmm. Was really mm-hmm. the nature of it, but um, yeah, you guys the, look yeah. to be handling this. You're swimming in it. It's pretty uh, solid, honestly. I think I was a little more apprehensive than she was, just because mm-hmm. I started wrestling sooner, and I feel like I'd kind of gotten brought up by more old school guys, where it was like, yeah, it was don't date in wrestling, mm-hmm. and I used to tell young guys before I'd ever been in a re- wrestling relationship. Don't date in wrestling. We also both got into wrestling late. We were already both in our mid twenties, mm-hmm. right? So. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it really uh, I lost my place there. But uh, it happens. <laughs> don't let her interrupt you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's something that I kind of came around to, and I think just kind of culturally things shift too, where yeah. it just as it becomes more acceptable, then you're not the. Uh, it's not like oh, well, those two are the couple. It's like they're right. okay. There are a few of them. It's just a little bit more common. And also, I think part of it is uh, I think a lot of wrestling relationships can be tumultuous just because it's young people. Like she said, yeah. that we're in our mid. We started wrestling like I was uh, 23 when I started, and uh, I was she 25. was yeah, and she was 25. So mm-hmm. we're a little bit older because yeah. kids. A lot of times, if you don't have relationship experience, you're yeah. gonna be you're not gonna be great in a relationship. So I think we both kind of had some more relationship experience, and then. Wrestling is such an insecure business. Like, you're yeah. always second get. Like, you're always kind of like, oh, well, like, am I good enough? And stuff like People that. People that live their lives looking for applause. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. so when you're, and so when you have someone else there that's mm-hmm. either raising you up or you, you either feel like, you never feel like you're on equal footing. They're either above you in their careers or they're below you in their careers. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like you reach your really, hand out either way. Yeah. You really have mm-hmm. to, like, separate that and you really have to kind of you have to be secure in who you are and realize that like your spot in a wrestling company or your spot in wrestling and how people perceive you that doesn't affect your relationship that only affects your relationship if you let it affect your relationship and so i think maturity is the biggest thing like it's almost been like it was like maturity boot camp for me to date in wrestling especially when we were going through the ring of honor dojo system so we were always busy like we weren't making enough money at the time to just wrestle like we still had to have part a part-time job we both had a part-time job at a gym and we were just exhausted and it was like all of a sudden you're insecure because you're like we were coming into ring of honor we're at the bottom of the card and so uh you're at the very bottom so like everyone everyone else is above you and if you're not secure with who you are and secure in your relationship, you're going to be like, oh, well, she's probably going to want to run off with this guy who's a big star. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, – I feel like a lot of stuff happens. It gets – you fabricated in your own head. Yeah. And then you, you through your actions, bring it into existence, like through right. being stressed about it. I see it all the time where – where uh, I would see this on lower levels where guys would uh, – they'd get their, their girlfriend would get into wrestling or they would get – the or their girlfriend would get them into wrestling 
And then they would immediately start accusing each other of like cheating and stuff with right. guys. Like, exactly what I was bringing up to Becky yeah. and Nick. You know? And it's like, and it's like there was no basis. It's like they were scared that's going to happen, and so they would throw out a wild accusation, <sighs> and then they're in a fight about something that was never even like right. thought about. But then people are thinking about it, and it's yeah. like, it's just all maturity, I think. And so, mm-hmm. like, I think. Uh, yeah, the biggest thing is to be mature, which is really hard for me to be mature. Like, I'm a very <laughs> immature person. I think it, the atmosphere, too, of the business, like backstage, probably helps. I mean, yeah. it's no secret when I you know, when I was in the early 90s and I was getting in and, like, Axel and Ian um, were in ECW and ECW was getting hot and I was going up um, trying to get, like, do my young guy thing and get matches there. Um, at that time in that era, it was just drugs. And mm-hmm. alcohol and everybody, you know, and you, you make bad decisions. Like, everybody was just partying like rock stars. It really was. And, I mean, but, of course, that's why so many so many, um, so many, many people passed away, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. And uh, I think that this generation watched Totally that. different. I yeah, so it's too. totally. Yeah. That's what I, I, I talked a lot about with Matt Hardy about it. We've had conversations about it, how the difference in it is now, which it's so much better, you know. It's so much, uh, obviously, better. You don't see... You don't see people dying in their 40s, Mm-mm. in their early 40s anymore, yeah. like if you go back 20 years, and it seemed like every month, you know, whether, you know, Eddie Guerrero, Brian Pillman, one after the other, they were just... That was a horrible so, time. People that was are a, just you know, hitting the peaks of yeah. their careers now, where yeah. people were dying before. Right. right. So I, I think yeah. that just general, where it's just not like that anymore, probably helps too. People less inclining, partying like rock stars, and all you're going to, you know, people are going to make not so good decisions mm-hmm. so absolutely all right sure yeah. it all probably comes into play yeah that is very astute wrestling and life advice so thank <laughs> you for that and i think larry it is time to segue into oh yes one of my um, favorite sections other people making life choices that's right yeah one of my favorite parts if uh, y'all are not aware we do a section of our mcw cast called the independent wrestling roundup okay. and that is facilitated by mcw pro general manager Phil Stamper, and I always have this joke, it's time for Phil to fill us in, and that's what we're going to do right now. But before we jump into that, any sort of like social media you guys wanted to plug? Um, obviously, appearances, Ring of Honor is your, your main focus, but mm-hmm. any any way that we can follow you and kind of interact with you, maybe some of our MCW cast members want to ask you a few questions post this episode airing. Yes, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Quinn McKay. And that's the only place that you can DM me. My Twitter DMs are open again. My Instagram DMs are closed. You're not going to be able to talk to me there. Um, but you can follow me there at Real Quinn McKay. And uh, on Twitter and Instagram both, um, at Mile High Magnum, all one word. And uh, also go to shophonor.com. And if you're a little cold or you want a, a new, or actually it's getting warm out if you want a, a nice short sleeve t shirt. That Dak Draper T-shirt sure looks great. I wore uh, three of them out at the uh, anniversary pay-per-view. So if we don't at least double that number in sales uh, directly from me using wasting three shirts to wear uh, in my entrance at the pay-per-view, I don't think ROH will let me do that again. So uh, you got to you gotta keep buying the shirts so that yeah. I can keep uh, wearing multiple shirts out. The weird Dak Draper strip tease at the beginning of his entrance. She loves it. <laughs> She's still talking about it. So. <laughs> I the strip tease last, uh, over the weekend at a, uh-huh. at a show. So <laughs> Lovely. All right. Well, we're going to uh, hear what Phil has to say. When we come back, we've got a couple, one, a couple of questions for you. And from our coffee club members, too, have some questions for you as cool. well. Hey everyone, my name is Phil Stamper and it's time for this week's Independent Wrestling Roundup. Good to be with you this week. 
one question that I keep getting asked by fans and other people inside of wrestling is, well, what can I do to better support wrestling? What can I do alone that can help put out the word of professional wrestling without me having to dedicate so much of my time for those places that I don't necessarily work for? Or maybe I'm a fan, but I'm in Maryland, but I like this company that I see out of California. Well, what good is it um, that I interact with anything they post on social media? Well, that's just it. Interact. Like their post. Share if you'd like to, but really that super passive clicking on a like, uh, whether on, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, that actually helps what's called an algorithm behind the scenes on social media. Um, it, it's, gonna, it's like a weird catch-22. You post something on social media, and so people start to see it. Well, not everybody sees it. The algorithm selects sort of, well, who normally engages with this person or this kind of message? So then if people start liking it, well, then that actually helps that algorithm go, oh, wait a minute, more people might like it. So it starts spreading it more and more and more. So really, if you're looking for an easy way that you can help support professional wrestling, click like. That's easy. That's super easy. It's super passive to do. I encourage you to do it. I do. When I'm scrolling on my Facebook feed or Twitter and Instagram, if I see something wrestling related, I just click like. It's super, super easy to do. Um, let's go ahead and go right on to the calendar. Let's start off with IWTV. Already this week, brand new episodes out from Hardcore Hustle, wrestle, excuse me, Hardcore Hustle Organization and IWTV's Butch vs. Gore Cassandro Cup. Then tonight, a new episode from New South Pro and a new episode from Heavy Metal Wrestling. Then on Wednesday, new episodes from Limitless's The Road and Paradigm Pro's UWFI Contenders series. Then on Thursday, from Beyond Wrestling, a new episode of their signature series and a new full event called Fool's Paradise. It may be April Fool's, but this is a real, real event. Then on Saturday, events from East Coast Wrestling Association and Sean Henderson Presents, all available on IWTV.live or on the IWTV app available for iOS and Android devices. Then over on Fight TV, brand new episodes already out this week from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and Ring of Honor. And then on Friday, events from Georgia Independent Professional Wrestling and Future Stars of Women's Wrestling. So other ways that you can go see events yourself on Thursday out of Georgia, WWA4 out of Rhode Island, Extreme Wrestling Alliance and out of Tennessee, 127 Pro Wrestling. Then this Friday, April 2nd, out of Alabama, Pro South Wrestling. Then out of Alaska, that's right, Alaska, Wrestle Pro returns to Alaska um, for a tour. Night one begins this Friday. Um, then out of Georgia, Southern Honor Wrestling. Out of Tennessee, Resolute Wrestling and Southern Wrestling Federation. Out of Texas, Texoma Pro. And out of West Virginia, Big Time Pro and Premier Wrestling League Mid-Atlantic. Then over on Saturday night, Russell Pro Alaska continues its Alaskan tour. Um, out of Arkansas, Revolutionary Wrestling Entertainment. Out of California. Cal Why do I keep doing that? I'm flipping syllables. Out of California, Canna Pro Wrestling. I'm flipping syllables. It's totally fine. Um, then out of Georgia, face-to-face -face wrestling school as well as KLT promotions and professional organized sports entertainment as well as Renegade Championship Wrestling, all out of Georgia. Then out of Kentucky, Generation Next Pro Wrestling. Out of New Jersey, Sean Henderson Presents. Out of North Carolina, AIWF Mid-Atlantic and American Lucha Wrestling as well as Ring Wars Carolina. Then out of Tennessee, Intense Championship Wrestling Asylum, Southern Pride Championship Wrestling, Tennessee All-Pro Wrestling, and Tennessee Wrestling Alliance. Then over out of Texas, Metroplex Wrestling, out of West Virginia, All-Star Wrestling, and Big Time Pro Wrestling, and then out of Wisconsin, Frontline Pro. And then on Sunday, 
School of Morton returns at 5.05 p.m. Again, School of Morton headed by WWE Hall of Famer Ricky Morton streaming live to their Facebook page. They are out of Chucky, Tennessee. Check them out, School of Morton. Well, that's all for me for this week's Independent Wrestling Roundup. I hope you're having a wonderful week, and I'll catch you very, very soon. And big news, you know, we're getting into WrestleMania. So next week, we're going to be talking all about all the stuff that's coming during WrestleMania week. Because there's a lot that's going to be happening, not just in Florida, but around the world during WrestleMania week. So very excited to be bringing that to you. I look forward to seeing you. Have a good one. All right, we're back. So as we can see, uh, Phil, things are percolating all over the country, slowly getting back to, to business as usual. He runs down a lot of different promotions that are doing things. So, um, and he has been. I'm really excited about one of the things he mentioned. We are right on the cusp of mania season, which means a lot of folks will be descending upon Tampa, mm -hmm. myself included, representing the uh, ICW No Holds Barred brand. One of the biggest matches we have set uh, for our, our shows is the return of legendary ECW figure New Jack and the Carnage crew. They're going to be facing the rejects. But I got to bring up something. The bigger story with this fight not is just that new jack is making a rare appearance but if we don't know about new jack's son uh drag queen performer from right here in baltimore maryland washington heights well vice covered it new jack has more or less disowned uh this you know his son um i'm not really sure if it's because washington heights does drag or or what the wherefores and whys of it but washington heights all right has gone into business for herself she took the image announcing that New Jack and the Carnage crew were fighting these other three guys, put herself, an image of herself in full drag on that ICW advertisement and said, Tampa, what's good? <laughs> uh, but kind of like being like, hey, you know what? Yep. I'm going to be down there. This man who is estranged from me, doesn't even acknowledge me, is going to be down there. Put me in the Let's ring with him. in the ring. <laughs> is New Jack acknowledged it or no? Uh up until this point, I have not seen New Jack acknowledge Responder. it, but I'll tell you this much. The wrestling community certainly has acknowledged it, and that mm -hmm. tweet got so much traction and so many different people chiming in, I think it would be a dream come true. Uh, maybe not for them to fight, but at least for that confrontation, that stare down. Uh, to happen in the world of pro wrestling, which is, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but very similar to the drag world of competition and sort of presentation. To see New Jack in a full regalia, gangster regalia, uh, staring down his son in full drag. Stop the presses. Stop 2021. I think that I, I could die a happy man just to even see that that go down. So Yeah, well, I read an article about that that was entitled something like, My dad's a pro wrestler and I'm a drag queen. We're not that different. You know, so you're right. There I mean, you that's, go. Yeah. That's, that's similarity and, you know. You're what? still in gimmick. <laughs> Why is New Jack been out of the ring? He's been out for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. New Jack just does this. Well, a lot of those ECW guys, with the yeah. exception of, like, Stevie and Sabu, they just, like, I know Sandman will do appearances and he'll really Right. You know, they'll Father play the, time, probably. Yeah, you know, yeah, they'll play the, they'll do the beer, you know. Mm -hmm. New Jack will, like, the music will play. Right. He'll come out with the tr the garbage can, throw it into the ring. Everyone will powder out. He'll get in. And kind of like we said with Dusty, like, each person will run up to him, take yeah. something, and <laughs> yeah. then go take a bump out of there, you know. But people still love to hear that music, Easy you know. Night. 
You know, they, they <laughs> so is Washington Heights going to have like another trash can or something or uh, but that's what I'm competing? Saying. There's yeah. a lot of ways this could go. There are yeah. a lot of ways it could go. Hey, I, I wouldn't mind if Washington Heights just jumped out of the crowd and rolled in there and saw the way that that Jerome handled it. You know, like call an audible. You know, now Get, has Washington Heights had any training or anything? Now I know um, from what I understand, they used to play rugby. And um, okay. rugby ain't no easy yeah. sport if you are playing it. Um, no but pads. It's not wrestling. It's not, well, it's not wrestling. <laughs> it's not pro wrestling, but you're really, you know, in that scrum, you know, locked in there and, you know. Well, you know so. what? If it doesn't happen in Tampa, I mean, Dan, you've got a history with New Jack. Washington Are you trying to set here. something up? I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, just if it doesn't it. work out in Tampa. She probably will want some answers yeah. and want to want to go at it with her dad. Speaking um, of wanting answers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, we have some we have some fans who asked uh, some questions for our guests. Okay. So, um, and this is for both of you. Um, this is from two of our longtime fans, Mo and Lisa. They'd like to know um, what wrestler would you love to have a match with, past or present? So, if you could have a dream match with anyone, Beth who Phoenix. would it be? Beth Phoenix for Beth you? Phoenix. Okay. 1993, Razor Ramon. Okay. Good choice. All right, that was a great yeah. question. Thank you. All right, I have, an, uh, I have another question. Um, bucket list items. I'm going to start with you, Dak. What is on your bucket list that Dak Draper would like to do next? Oh, man. On my bucket list, I think that I would like to – oh, I want to climb a mountain, but not Mount Everest. I want to climb – like, I want to go into the mountains for, like, at least like a week maybe and like live off the land. Like I think that'd be okay. really cool where it's mm-hmm. like just me, uh just me and nature. <laughs> with like with like some like just not him. And what about half is the important Half-Thor part. coming on this journey? Well of course half Thor comes everywhere. Half Thor's so. trying to electrocute himself over oh, here no. on this wire. As you can see, right, sometimes so sometimes we make it a pain in the ass. We bring Half Thor okay. with us too many well, places. But um, uh, I don't know if you've checked it out yet, but at the intersection of where like DC and Virginia is, there's uh-huh. the Billy Goat Trail and it's on a nice mountain. It's a really um, strenuous trail it has great views um there's parts of it that are like up a cliff kind of so that might appeal to you maybe um, i've climbed mount kenya if you ever get to kenya you should climb you've that. climbed you've climbed yeah. mount kenya yeah i mean wow it's pretty that's cool it's a beautiful site because like the top of it you're actually looking out over the clouds it's actually oh, really cool. amazing so very very cool um but that's awesome so, yeah, right, mountain climbing i kind of like okay. grew up in the uh, shadow of the rocky mountains like right yeah. right up against the uh, rocky mountains so like as a kid, you're just kind of always looking like, oh, man, that'd be cool to just go up there and spend, right. like, a week up there and, like, just kind of like you and nature. And, right. of course, Quinn McKay Aww. and Half-Thor <laughs> and Cat Draper. Quinn McKay doesn't nature very well. She does not nature <laughs> not very well. Not for extended periods yeah. of time. All right. So, and then I want to throw to you, what is your bucket list item? So, I don't, I don't nature like he does, but I do really want to learn how to fly fish. He was supposed to teach me like three years ago how to fly fish, and it has yet to happen. However, I'm always in search of like the best dish in a town, but specifically the best cheeseburger in the world. I, you know, I, I actually read that you've mentioned that in yes. interviews before. I'm a big cheeseburger person, and um, I love cheeseburgers too. Oh my gosh, and so um, we have uh, we are home to the Bruiser Burger. Oh, I know that is uh, featured there by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Look at that! So um, it is. It is. Something. It is a good burger. Look how it delicious is. that looks. See, oh my god! It? But I, I, it was, oh I, I had to finish it, and I had to take some of it home. It's really filling. That looks amazing. Yeah. I ate it all in one sitting. Really. So. <laughs> 
Well, well you don't eat the bun, too. I don't eat the bun and the fries, yeah, yeah. But I ate it all in one sitting. I saw. So, I yeah, saw. I once saw Playboy Bob Star um, house a Bruiser Burger. Now he took a break. He took a break. He couldn't, yeah, he couldn't do it all in one sitting. You know, he took a break, and then before you know it, I heard that platter open up again, and Bob. That burger was gone. Wow. I was like, oh, I got it down. I got it down. It was delicious. And not only is it delicious, but a dollar from every burger sold goes to the Leuke- Lymphoma and Leukemia Society in Bruiser's That's memory. Wonderful. So. Yeah. That's great. So in your quest for the perfect cheeseburger, I encourage mm-hmm. you to try that one. Oh, I absolutely will. I've been meaning to now, and we just haven't had the opportunity. We were, we were just talking about, like, maybe that's what we'll do today. <laughs> I'm, I work over in Dundalk, actually, mm-hmm. but, you know, we're all working remotely. And I'm like, man, when I go back to my office, I'm going to get so fat because I'm <laughs> going to go eat all the – like and bruiser burgers. Yeah. I'm right down the street from Jimmy's Seafood. So I'm like, man, it's going to be hard to resist. So. Yeah. It's been a deterrent because I've been home for a year, but yeah, I do I'm have an so office hungry. right down the street. So you guys want to go there? After? You guys so want to go? We're I, thinking I about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a bruiser burger yet. They have a yet. fantastic <laughs> brunch, too. They've got great food all the time. I'm so we, we can't thank uh, Jimmy's Famous Seafood enough for ever, the, all they of their support. But yeah. we definitely recommend their food or food trucks. You know, you can catch mm-hmm. their food trucks. They've got like three or four out every week, too. Do they sell the bruiser burger from the food? I don't think the they do truck? a bruiser burger. You know what they food. have? They, well, they have their chicken with the crab cake on it and um, or crab dip. And chicken they have Chesapeake. The crab cakes. And then the crab they cake also egg rolls. have crabby fries and the crab cake egg rolls. Yeah, yeah. which are ridiculous. Yeah, they're ridiculous. Yeah, really they're good. ridiculous. Check those out. Yeah. So. Well, very good. I guess that about wraps this episode up, right? Oh. Yeah. I think so. That, that, so that, someone's that, getting arrested. Yeah, little man gives a little shake. Yeah, heard burgers. And yeah, he's ready, yeah. So. Oh, he loves a burger. Oh, he's not allowed to have human food for a while because he embarrassed us at a uh, on a patio the other day. Yeah, he pooed no. all over the place. No, <laughs> just, he oh. just has decided that if you have food, he should also have some of that food. And oh. if you don't give it to him, he's he will yell at you. Well, rightfully so. One one person in this one one of us in this relationship gives him too much human food. I'll let I'll let you guys decide you who it stop is. Doing that, Dak. No, it is him. Yeah. It's actually <laughs> him. Yes. Yeah, it's not me. We're I'm the good people. one. Right. You look you look innocent. Thank I, you. I can tell. Thank well, you. we really appreciate you guys coming in and taking the time. Yes. yes. Hey, thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And thank you for joining us once again for the MCW cast. We'll yep. see y'all see again next week. Next Tuesday at eight.